This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day, free and available on all platforms, anywhere you can imagine, Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app, as well as our brand new YouTube channel. Be sure to go check us out there. Today's episode of Locked on Rockets is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Now, today's episode, before I even dive in, I've actually recorded, this is going to be the second time that I've recorded this episode um, because fun story, peek behind the uh, technical issues curtain, is about, what, 2.30 in the morning? Thursday, Thursday morning, technically. So Wednesday night after the Rockets home opener, sorry, road opener, season opener. And, you know, I've not already taken care of Locked on NBA, which, hey, if you haven't checked me out, go check out Locked on NBA. I'm there every Thursday uh, with my co-host, Matt Moore, where we hit the NBA from, you know, a national angle instead of just the local team angle. So go check out the Locked on NBA Thursday show with me and Matt Moore. I think we do a pretty decent job over there and we have a we have a pretty decent back and forth. Um so wrapped up that show and I'm sitting down, I'm recording this. I do the whole show and then I go into edit. Again, it's like three in the morning at this point, maybe three 30 and it's pretty late. And I go to edit the show and there's no audio and come to realize I'm like troubleshooting, figuring out what, what's, what's going on. I just recorded another show and come to realize that I have this fancy little button over here. Cause I've got a fancy setup where if this button over here is turned off, if that button's turned off, So yeah, um, that was all kinds of fun. So this is the second time that I've recorded this uh, season opener recap of the Houston Rockets. And uh, yeah, so we'll just, we'll roll with it and hopefully I'll remember everything that I talked about. Uh, it should be better the second time around. But with that, uh, want to that's the, that's the peek behind the curtain and why this show is, is one, day, one day delayed due to whatever technical hardware issues I had that had my little sound box turn my mic off which was awesome but uh i want to start i've got a bunch of different angles that i want to cover from this rockets t wolves game obviously the rockets losing getting really you know blown out in a pretty ugly fashion against the t wolves carl anthony towns anthony edwards delo were all incredible the t wolves defense was really different i mean they have completely revamped their defensive identity this season i think they're the real deal to make a jump into the at least the play-in tournament side of things in the Western Conference. They're probably going to be my pick, along with the Pelicans, to, to take that leap out of the bottom of the West. But 
I want to focus on Alper and Shingun's defense. I want to focus on Jalen Green's playmaking. I want to focus on Kevin Porter Jr.'s struggles and his turnover struggles so far, as well as Eric Gordon's scoring punch off the bench. And then I also want to talk a little bit about the CPR squad at the end of the game. Uh, but let's lead with Alper and Shingun, who I think it, it was kind of a toss-up to me between who the best player was in this game between Alper and Shingun and Eric Gordon, and for a couple different reasons, but I think I'm going to tip my cap to Alper and Shingun and, and dub him the uh, MVP of this game for the Rockets or the or the the Locked On Rockets best player of the game. Maybe we'll start doing that. We'll have a Locked On Rockets best player of the game. Um, in his 19 minutes played, he had 11 points. He had six rebounds, two assists, three steals, three of four shooting, five of five at the charity stripe. The numbers don't immediately like jump out off the page, but it was a solid. 20 minutes of action and there were multiple moments in in his 20 minutes that really stood out to me a couple on offense and a couple on defense I want to focus on his defense first because one we've seen Alper and Shingun's court awareness his court vision offensively right we've seen the passing game and I want to talk about that in a second because there were a couple really standout passes that he had but not only that, he just has really great court awareness. Like he understands where and when to be in certain spots on the court. That's why he's been such an effective shot blocker. That's why he's able to recover so well on defense. That's why he plays passing lanes really well. That's why he picked up the multiple uh, the the multiple steals that he had in this game. Three steals for Alper and Shingun. And he got those because he plays passing lanes really well because he anticipates what the other team is doing. And he's just aware of what's going on around him. So I, I was really blown away by his defense in this game. He had a couple possessions where he was switched out onto some of these smaller uh, T-Wolves players on the perimeter, held his own, right? He does a good job of giving just enough space to entice the the opposing player to be, you know consider you know pulling up and shooting the basketball and he does a good job of recovering right because he is a, a, a big he's you know not nearly as agile as some of these smaller players so he has to concede some of that space so he doesn't just get blown by on the drive but he moves his feet exceptionally well right all that footwork from Alper and Shingun that we see on offense, the pivots, the spins, the patience, all of that, that impressive footwork, he's got that same footwork, but defensively to where he shuffles his feet incredibly well to keep offensive players in front of him, even faster offensive players that could easily potentially blow by him. He distances himself, he recovers quickly, he contests shots, and he's playing passing lanes really, really well. So I wanted to highlight his defense there for just a moment because I thought he did an exceptional job against the T-Wolves now, the other area that I want to focus on, his passing. Like, we've talked about it before, but his passing, it's just, he. there is not a, ch like, I hate the comparison because I don't, I feel like there's, I mean, but I don't want to put the weight on his shoulders, right? But it's, it's Jokic-like, like the way that he sees the floor, anticipates where his teammates are going to be, and makes these, like, instantaneous reads. And so there are two passes that really stood out to me in this game from Alper and Shingun before we dive into our other topics. And... The first of which being a touch pass that he had in transition. So he's running the break. He's he's you know looking for the feed from from the from the wing. He's running the break. He's running down the center of the court. Uh, ball handler on the left, KPJ, Jalen Green. Not sure who it was. DJ Augustine maybe. Um, running the break. They finally get him the ball, and he immediately catches the ball and has the two Timberwolves defenders in front of him. And Christian Wood was streaking the floor just in front of him. And as soon as the second T Wolf defender like 
came back towards Shingun. He just touched past it straight forward to Christian Wood, and he had it in his in his eye the whole way down the floor that he was running because Seawood was in front of him the whole way. And there's when you see it on the replay, you can see Shingun glance ahead of him, see that Seawood's there, go look, turn his attention back to the ball handler, and he's just waiting for the pass to hit him so that he can jettison it forward so that Christian Wood can get an easy two at the rim. So that, even though like in real time, it was in real time, it was still impressive. But then on the highlight, like you're just like, wow, he made that read immediately. So there's that one. And it's it's coupled with the other passes that he makes, right? He makes the right passes. He'll make cross court passes. He makes the right little dish passes to other bigs near and around the basket. The passing game from Shingun is just something else. I've been blown away by it. And then this next one was a bit of a, it was a bit comedic because C. Wood just wasn't expecting it. And I believe it was off of an offensive rebound, I think it was. And uh, Shingun, I think it was a missed free throw, in fact. Shingun got the free throw, got the, you know, got the offensive rebound and had his back to the basket, you know, two, three feet away from the basket. And C. Wood kind of dove towards the rim behind him. And Shingun had his head like turned like this and tried to hit him with a like behind the back or behind the head, no look pass that C. Wood was just not expecting whatsoever, bounced off of him, turnover, whatever. I mean, but just the the confidence to make that pass in your very fur in your NBA debut for Alperin Shingun, I thought it was impressive. Like again, I cannot wait to see him continue to grow and get more comfortable in his own skin as an NBA player, as well as for him to grow with his teammates, right? Because that's a pass that maybe halfway through the season we could see Shingun and Christian would actually connect on for an easy two at the rim. So right now, his teammates are still not expecting some of these wild passes to come out in seemingly nowhere. And so I think the new the new rule needs to be if Shingun has the ball, be ready for the pass at any moment because he's going to find a way to get you the ball, be it a fancy little bounce pass. He's going to have I'm going to put my money down right now. Shingun's going to have a five hole play sometimes this year. He's going to dribble the ball and or pass the ball through a defender's legs at some point this season. I'm bookmarking it. Take the receipts right now. I'm calling it, and I would love to see it. So that, that's what I have to say about Alperin Shingun. He was, I think, the uh, player of the game for the Houston Rockets in this one. Coming up, I want to talk about Jalen Green. I want to talk about his playmaking. I want to talk about Eric Gordon's scoring punch off the bench, how he looked. Definitely want to talk about KPJ's struggles a little bit and the CPR squad, and we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at McDonald's. Because today's episode of Locked on Rockets is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. It's it's a place more than just to get tasty, affordable food. Look, I can't drive past McDonald's without thinking about all the times that I would hit up McDonald's after you know middle school basketball games. My dad would come pick me up. We'd swing by the McDonald's right down the street from our house, get a little ten piece chicken nuggets. And even today, even like now, you know, ten years later, I I still can't drive past McDonald's without craving some delicious nuggets without craving a spicy McChicken sandwich. I mean, the entire menu. And then my go-to, right? When I need like a whole meal, now that I'm a fully grown adult, when I need a whole meal, I sit down with a Texas homestyle burger. Large fry, large root beer, can't go wrong with it. Or large Dr. Pepper. I mix it up between root beer and Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper is usually the go-to. But seriously, McDonald's is the place. It's delicious. I mean, what more can you say about it? It's a staple. And if you haven't been to a McDonald's sometime soon, sometime lately, you should go check it out, right? So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say Locked on Rockets watch party? I'm loving it. 
And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Thanks for making Locked on Rockets your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. For your second listen, get everything you need from contender to pretender around the NBA with the Ultimate Insider NBA Season Preview, the biggest and most comprehensive season preview you can find wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's go into our next guy that I want to spend a little bit of time talking about from this T-Wolves game, Jalen Green. So one of my keys going into this game for Jalen Green was to remain aggressive, right? And that's a, that's, a, that's a word that I've used a lot with Jalen Green. And one of the things that I talked about, one of the keys that I thought was going to be important for him to be able to stay aggressive was to really work his side-to-side game to utilize his speed, his change of direction, and his lightning quick first step to be able to beat defenders off the dribble, especially when they're being overly physical with him. Jalen Green spoke post game and basically, you know, he, he said this a couple times now, but he's a rookie, right? He's a 19 year old kid going up against fully grown men now. Like, and even though he was going up against similar competition in the G League, the G League is just that it's the G League. This is now the NBA. So he was going up against more, you know, physical adult level competition in the G League, but there were also other teams that were featuring younger players, right? So it wasn't just a league full of, of really, you know, built grown men. And so one of the things that he's dealt with now through four preseason games through the season opener is teams that want to try to body him, want to try to really push him off his spots to get after him physically because he's a 19 year old kid that they can just kind of bully around right now. So what's the way around that? He has to use his speed. He has to use his quickness, his agility to beat those guys to the punch before they have a chance to be physical with him. And I really think he did a solid job of that in this one. I think he utilized that, side-to-side dribble, the change of direction. And we saw that on display literally back-to-back for his first pair of buckets in this game. So the first bucket he had, you know, beats his man, explodes off the dribble, gets to the rim, has the hang time, the athleticism to hang in the air, get around Carl Anthony Towns, and have a reverse on the other side of the rim. Loved that. And then moments later, we saw the exact, pretty almost the exact same move, but he he really, I mean, he basically dropped Torian Prince. It was unbelievably filthy, just complete, like looked like he was headed back to the right and then bam, back to the left-hand dribble, finished at the rim a second time. And Torian Prince, I mean, it looked like he almost started to do the splits on the floor. So I think that's going to be a key for Jalen Green moving forward is to remain aggressive. And especially when going against more physical defenders to utilize his explosiveness to get past them rather than, you know, bumping chest with them and trying to, because he's not going to overpower anybody. Not right now, right? Maybe down the line, maybe once he adds a little bit more weight to his frame. Sure. But right now it's about using that speed, the change of direction to be able to get to his spots, which I thought he did a pretty solid job of in this game. And it unlocked the ability for him to play make for his teammates. He made some really nice reads in this game. Jalen Green finished in the game with just nine points on only four or 14 shooting, one of six from behind the three-point arc, but he was aggressive. He kept taking shots. He kept looking to get his, and that's what I want to see out of him. Even though the efficiency wasn't there, even though the numbers don't look amazing, I want to see that out of him. He did dish out four assists. He also picked up four rebounds, and he had a steal. I think it was an overall solid outing for Jalen Green, especially because we know that the playmaking chops are kind of there. And he had one really good one. It was a feed to Daniel Tice, where all Tice did, right? Tice, who is a sol- who's a very solid screen setter, sets a great screen for Jalen Green. And Jalen kind of, you know, swings to the left a little bit. Both defenders follow him because the Minnesota T-Wolves defense is now meeting ball handlers at the level rather than sagging back and, and providing drop coverage. So both defenders kind of stick with him at the level. 
Daniel Tice just kind of slips and falls straight back to the basket. There's no help defense from either of the two wings. And so then Jalen Green just drills Daniel Tice with, uh, you know, a bullet pass for an easy slam for two. And it was a simple read, but it was just one of those where Jalen was just patient enough to wait to see how the two defenders reacted to the pick and roll, read it beautifully, hit Daniel Tice, and that was it, right? So it's those level of simple reads that Jalen Green needs to be able to make. And as he gets more and more comfortable with the ball in his hands, it's we're going to see more and more of those types of reads where as he is establishing himself and figuring out how to continue to get to his spots and as he's having games where he goes for 20 plus and whatnot down the line, he's going to be able to use that scoring gravity to create more opportunities for his teammates. So really impressed with Jalen Green's playmaking in this game. Eric Gordon, another guy that I want to spend a moment on because EG looked like vintage EG in this game. So Eric Gordon finishing the night, 15 points, six of eight shooting three of four from behind the three point line, had a couple rebounds, had a steal, had a few turnovers that were somewhat EG-esque, right? Some sloppy uh, ball handling a little bit here and there. Uh, all in just 23 minutes played. Eric Gordon was a breath of fresh air. Eric Gordon not getting the starting nod in this game, which honestly was very was pretty taken aback by that. He was my safe bet to be the starter based on everything that we had heard out of Steven Silas, based on kind of how he was approaching things in preseason. It sounded like Eric Gordon was going to be the permanent starting nod, but then Steven Silas kind of revisiting things, talking about he just wants the continuity and the consistency in the starting lineup. And maybe there's a bit of a concern that you can't really get that with Eric Gordon, depending on how much time he may or may not miss, whether or not he plays, uh, you know, back to backs, that kind of thing. So Jay Sean Tate getting the starting nod in this game over Eric Gordon, which ultimately I still think is the right decision because you see the scoring punch that EG can provide off the bench and 15 points in 23 minutes for EG off the bench. That's just another night at the office, right? a vintage EG performance who looks healthy. And I think that is truly the best way to utilize what he brings to the table. Because if you have him in the starting lineup, he basically becomes just a de facto spot up shooter. He becomes a guy that is going to sit there and be waiting for his opportunities just to shoot the ball from beyond the arc after KPJ makes his move, after Jalen Green makes his move, after Christian Wood makes his move, right? Instead, if you've got him coming off the bench and suddenly you're pairing EG and KPJ in the backcourt or EG and Jalen Green in the backcourt, then suddenly it can be, all right, you know, let's, let's let Eric get a couple plays, right. To try and create something. And let's try and destabilize the defense with Eric Gordon first as like the first option, first point of attack. And then, you know, maybe KPJ Jalen Green gets a chance to attack a, a, an unsettled defense, a defense that's already scattered after the initial attack from EG or just somebody that can play off of one of those two guys a little bit better rather than just being, you know, stuck into a reserve, like spot up shooter role. Um, so again, Eric Gordon, solid night, really liked what we saw out of him coming up. I want to talk about KPJ's struggles with turnovers and just kind of the T wolves defense and what made them so effective in this game, as well as the CPR squad from the fourth quarter that we've all come to really know and love throughout the four preseason games. And now the season opener, and we'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at built bar, because look, when it comes to protein bars, if you've never had one that you've actually enjoyed, you got to check out built bar. They are the number one protein bar on the market. I just got a fresh pack. They're right over there. I should really just keep them closer so that I can hold them on the camera. Uh, but like my kitchen is right here. So anyways, you got to go check out these flavors. They got so many awesome ones to choose from. Raspberry, mint chocolate brownie, cookies and cream, German chocolate, my personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. They're all so great. Every single bar, low cal, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Amazing if you're on a keto diet. Amazing if you're trying to lose weight. And 
they're great if you just you run late in the morning, grab a couple when you head out the door. I do that all the time. So check them out. You can visit built.com to check them out and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best tasting protein bars on the market. So again, that's LOCKED15 for 15% off built.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's dive into the struggles, uh, unfortunately, from one Kevin Porter Jr. in this game. And KPJ finishing the night with 11 points on 4 of 12 shooting, 2 of 7 from behind the three-point line, 1 of 2 at the charity stripe, had 3 rebounds, 3 assists, had a steal, had 9 turnovers. So, first off... uh, Credit to the T-Wolves defense because they made things hell for this Rockets team. And they did a really exceptional job. There may have been a couple, th- a couple, you know, overly physical plays that could have been whistled for a foul uh, in the early going. The Rockets didn't attempt their first free throws in this game until like the eight-ish minute mark, eight or nine, nine-ish minute mark, eight and a half of the second quarter. So whether that, and I, I do think a bit of that was just a lack of aggression on the Rockets part. And I also think it was kind of coupled with the fact that the T-Wolves were just doing a really solid job of of defending, of staying upright, of not fouling, of being aggressive, but not overly aggressive and getting called for little like ticky-tack fouls or at least not shooting fouls in the first 15 or so minutes of this game. But KPJ really struggled with the physicality of the Timberwolves team. And I think that this is something that we saw a little bit of last season is he gets frustrated. He really does. Like after a turnover, after a missed shot, after a no call when he drives to the basket, which I will say KPJ has not received a favorable whistle at all through five preseason, through the four preseason games and through the regular season opener. It does feel like KPJ drives a lot towards the rim and anticipates contact, receives contact, does not receive a whistle. It's almost like James Harden mortgaged the next like five to 10 years of Houston Rockets foul calls, and now KPJ can't receive any of them. Um, he cashed them in early, I guess, over the last eight years that he was with the team. But legitimately, sometimes it's very frustrating to see KPJ do the work, you know, put his, you know, put his man on skates, blow by his defender, get to the rim, and get held, get bumped, get hit, and not receive a foul call. That kind of sucks. But if you've listened to me for any length of time, you understand that I don't like to referee blame that's not my goal here especially when you're a rebuilding team and the wins kind of don't matter at the end of the day because hashtag benchero hashtag holmgren you know just all whatever so um i'm not that pressed about the actual wins but i do hate that it affects kpj from a mental standpoint because it's got to be exhausting right to do all that work to 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 get to the rim get fouled and not receive a whistle right or turn the ball over because you're getting grabbed you're getting hacked and you lose the basketball and it counts as a turnover and then defenses run or you know defenses now turn to offense they're running the other way they're in the fast break all these different things rockets had 24 turnovers in this game that led to 38 timberwolves points um again they were just they were aggressive from the jump they were beating the rockets to spots they were you know all the little like 50 50 balls the hustle plays the t-wolves were just flat out outplaying the rockets for a majority of this basketball game, unfortunately. And then very similar to the Spurs game, uh, the final preseason game, the Rockets actually came out and had a pretty solid third quarter, Um, right? The T-Wolves have a comfortable lead, and maybe that's what plays into it. T-Wolves have a comfortable lead, so they let up the the pressure a little bit. But the Rockets played the T-Wolves even in the third quarter, Minnesota 27, Rockets 26, even though D'Lo went 
turbo nuclear from behind the three point line in the third quarter. Um, the Rockets played them relatively even and then outplayed them in the fourth quarter, 35 to 25. Now, granted, that's because both teams cleared their bench. So maybe you just make the argument that the Rockets CPR squad is better than uh, the combination of Wright, uh, Noel and, and Bulmero for the T-Wolves in the final five to six minutes of this contest. But again, with Kevin Porter Jr., I do think that he has a, a tendency when things start going rough, when defenses start taking him out of his spots, when he starts turning the ball over, when the shots aren't falling, to get frustrated with himself. He's very animated out on the basketball court. And hopefully that's something that he continues to work on and grow out of because you have to have a short memory span, right, as a basketball player, as a shooter, as a, as a ball handler, just anything. You can't be dwelling on what happened two possessions ago. You can't be dwelling on what happened in the first half, what happened a quarter ago. You can't. You just got to focus on the next thing. And I feel like in this one, he started to get bogged down and really started to get in his own head about things. And the turnovers just kept racking up, unfortunately. So I'm expecting a bounce back game from KPJ in the home opener against the OKC Thunder. And I will I will stress that we're going to see these games as KPJ adjusts to this point guard role. We are going to see these types of games where he has some high turnover nights where he struggles with the basketball because he's adjusting to doing this full time now just because he started to do it full time last season. And then had that little five-game stretch at the tail end of the season uh, where John Wall finally sat down and was benched for the rest of the remaining season. It it doesn't mean that he's going to be perfect at this right away, right? He is still just a third-year player. Didn't even get a full season last season. Didn't even get to do this role in its entirety last season. So I just hope that we give KPJ the time to adjust and get get used to this role again. I'm not sitting here harping on him. I'm not upset at him with the nine assists. It's going to happen. I'm just highlighting it and highlighting the reasons for it. And again, the T-Wolves revamp defense was a big part of it, is they have the right defenders. Akogi was everywhere. Vanderbilt felt like he was everywhere when he was on the floor. Like those guys, their their defensive impact in this game was all over the place. They really felt like they were in every defensive you know breakdown or every offensive breakdown that the Rockets had. It felt like it was one of Akogi Edwards or Vanderbilt that was blowing up these plays for the Rockets, be it playing the passing lanes, be it forcing turnovers on ball. There was just a lot of different things going on for the T-Wolves defense there. They could be a very real threat in the Western Conference this season. Final point that I want to bring up on this one. uh, The CPR squad that comes in at the tail end of games. So this one, uh, the CPR squad plus, I guess, I guess we, what do we call them? The RGV Vipers plus Uncle Dave. Uh, It was, David Nwaba, Armani Brooks, Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba, and uh, wound up being Alper and Shingun for a little bit. Uh, yeah, who am I bl- who am I blanking on? Alper, David Nwaba, and KJ Martin. There we go. Um, they have done an exceptional job of checking into games and breathing life back into what looks like a, you know, an already dead Rockets team, which is, you know, hence the name, the CPR Rockets trying to resuscitate the team. And they almost did it in this one. I mean, they cut the lead down to what, like 12, 13 at one point from, you know, a 20 something plus deficit. Uh, And at one point, I forget whether it was Craig Ackerman or, or Ryan Hollins who said it, but one of them said something about, you know, maybe getting ready to bring the starters back in. And I immediately had like flashbacks to like Kevin McHale here. Like, no, if they fight their way back into this game from 20 plus down, you don't bring the starters back in. You don't bring in the starters that put you in the 20 plus hole in the first place. You let the CPR squad ride this thing out and see if they can actually like finish it off strong. Usman Garuba had a pair of ridiculously impressive blocks during his time in the fourth quarter, played about eight minutes, finished the game with four points, 
two of three shooting, uh, two boards, one assist, one steal, two blocks. The defensive presence, the defensive anticipation, the reach, the length, all of that, we know that that's there. Like the the question with Garuba has not been about his defense. He can be a presence on that side of the basketball and be a help on that side right now. It's the offense that's a bit more of a question mark with Usman Garuba, unfortunately. That side of his game still not very polished whatsoever. But really liked what you know we saw out of out of those guys. Armani Brooks comes in, hits a couple shots. Uh, you know, I, I apologize. Hits um, hits a three. Hits a hits another bucket. Josh Christopher had a nice looking had a couple nice looking shots. Basically, every every rocket that played scored right and i will say the one thing about the cpr squad that i am it's not a concern but if they are able to come in with that hungry mentality right everybody on this team from number one through number 15 maybe not 15 because if we're counting john wall as number 15 then he's just not in the picture right now right so players one through 14 on this roster should all be hungry and you know ready to compete at the highest level whenever they get time on the court and there's a distinct like gear shift when Steven Silas dips into his bench and goes to the CPR squad they play hungrier than the starters do they play with an edge to them they play with a bit of a chip on their shoulder a little bit and i'm going to go ahead and argue that if we're not seeing some level of like mental shift from the starters and if they can't find a way to play with some of that edge, to play with some of that intensity, that hustle, then maybe things do need to be shifted up a little bit. I'm not saying shift up the starting lineup, but maybe let Josh Christopher get some run with those guys. Maybe let Usman Garuba get some run with some of the, you know, mix him into the starting lineup, play around with the rotation a little bit, tweak some things, because right now we're seeing this version of the Rockets, the CPR's team that comes in in the fourth quarter, they come in and they play hard. They play hard, they play fast, they hustle. They're making all those 50-50 plays. They're making the effort plays that the Timberwolves are making in the first half. We're not seeing that, unfortunately, out of the starters or out of the early part of the Rockets' rotation, unfortunately, at least not from all of the players. And so they need, maybe they just need a shot in the arm, right? That's what David Nwaba is supposed to be. That's what Jay Sean Tate kind of is in the starting lineup, is it's those types of players to kind of help motivate and usher the team into playing that type of style, but maybe they need more of them on the floor, right? Maybe you need Josh Christopher out there at the same time as a Jay Shantator at the same time as an Usman Garuba. Uh, maybe Garuba deserves some minutes alongside Christian Wood just to see what that looks like, you know, playing alongside him for a little bit rather than just having him be the sole big out there on the floor. I do think that Steven Silas may need to play around with that. If we don't see some, you know, improvement in the main core, like nine, 10 man rotation, over the next, you know, five to 10 games or so. It's still the early part of the season. I'm not trying to overreact. But again, I want to see that level of hunger and intensity from the starters. And I want to see it from the jump in the basketball game rather than waiting until the fourth quarter blowout minutes show up for me to for me to see that out of this team. So that's my takeaway from this one. Uh, no Daniel House in this game was away for personal reasons. Uh, mentioned that going into this game, had the birth of another child. So congratulations to Daniel House Jr. for that. Uh, no word on whether or not he'll be rejoining the team for the OKC home opener yet. Uh, but we'll find out probably before tip-off if he's around and with the team. Uh, it's going to be an exciting home opener against OKC. It's always a fun fun time playing against the Thunder. Uh, looking forward to being there, covering the team, and seeing this team in person for the first time in a couple years. Um, so that's going to be a really, really exciting experience. But 
for today's episode. That is going to do it. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back for our very next episode. Now, on the way out of here, I want to thank you again for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Now, for your next listen, go make your second listen, Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd is absolutely killing it. If you love fantasy basketball, you got to go check out Locked on Fantasy Basketball, free and available on all platforms. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app. Be sure to subscribe to the brand new YouTube channel. I think we are approaching 2,800 subscriptions. I'll have to do some kind of, maybe I'll do like a jersey giveaway or something once we hit 3,000 subs. Something cool to commemorate the 3,000, the 3K milestone. A little uh, I love you 3,000 uh, shout out Tony Stark, Iron Man, if you will. Uh, but with that, uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Lockdown Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.